Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's August 26th, 55 BC, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. In my experience, people in Kent are often angry, but they had just cause on this day in 55 BC because Julius Caesar had just turned up ahead of thousands of men intent on invading Britain. Uh, Luckily for the Kentish, Caesar had sent an advance party to tell them he was coming, which had been intended as a negotiation, uh, but instead gave the locals time to find lots of javelins and rocks, which they duly hurled at the advancing Romans. Yeah, so the person who'd been sent to soften them up was a Gaulish chieftain called Commius, who had kind of been sent across the channel, I guess also to um, gather support for the idea of Romans coming uh, to your country and, you know, to maybe say they're, they're coming in peace, even though they're bringing like 12,000 men. He them. was like one of those guys selling a timeshare. He was like, guys, I've got an incredible <laughs> opportunity for you to join the yeah, Roman Empire. Yeah. <laughs> well, the line he was apparently sent out with is that he was advising the British to, quote, seek Caesar's protection. Which is classic yeah. mafia playbook stuff, yeah, isn't it's, it? From, it's a shakedown. From Caesar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a threat to pay up. Nice country yeah. you've got here. <laughs> <laughs> so he, but Caesar had also simultaneously sent one of his trusted officers in a fast galley to look around for good places to land. And meanwhile, back on the Gaulish side of the channel, uh, Caesar was there putting together his kind of raiding army. He had 80 ships that was going to take two legions, the 7th and the 10th, plus a bunch of irregular soldiers, which altogether did come to 12,000 men. And then he had the cavalry and the horses who were sort of assembling and they were prepared to sail separately, which turned out to be a bit of a mistake. And this was the first time the Romans had ever shown any interest in actually going to the British Isles. They did know of its existence vaguely because they exported tin, which made its way to Rome. And we do have evidence that the Britons were actually importing things that originated in Rome too. They had Italian wine. This is all on the south and southeastern coast settlements, though, obviously. These are like the most metropolitan areas. Britain had a bit of an aura of mystique in the Roman imagination. So there was curiosity about it, but nobody was interested in going. Not even the people in Gaul across the channel were that interested in going beyond the port towns where they did their trading. So we actually have Caesar's own account from his commentaries on the Gallic Wars about why he actually wanted to go to Britain in the first place. Confusingly, he wrote by himself in the third person. And he said talking about the island. After having called up to him the merchants from all parts, he could learn neither what was the size of the island, nor what or how numerous the nations which inhabited it, nor what system of war they followed, nor what customs they used, nor what harbours were convenient for a great number of large ships. Sounds like a perfect pretext to invade. (laughs) Without any any thought at all. (laughs) He knew everything he needed to know. (laughs) Well, Caesar explained that his motivation was that Britain had been supplying the, the, the Gauls during their war 
war against the Romans. And so he thought it would be in order to do a bit of reconnaissance on the landscape and the people and find out, you know, what their deal was. Um, and when Commius, the Gaulish chieftain he had dispatched to soften up the Brits, didn't return because he was immediately captured and imprisoned when he tried to suggest that, hey guys, maybe you should join <laughs> the Roman Empire. Um, he had no choice then, of course, but to go over himself. He did go to the site that his reconnaissance galley had suggested, which was the White Cliffs of Dover. And- which is a fail, right? If the reconnaissance guy is like, where's the best place to moor some boats? It wouldn't be the place where the enemy <laughs> yeah. can stand on a hill and fire arrows at you. Yeah. No. Yeah. So, I mean, Caesar himself said he here saw the forces of the enemy drawn up in arms on all the hills. The nature of the place was this. The sea was confined by mountains so close that a dart could be thrown from their summit upon the shore. So after waiting several hours for the weather to calm down a bit, and even though it was August, classic British style, the weather wasn't great. They had to wait several hours. And then they sailed several miles away and landed. It was probably Thanet or Warmer in modern day Kent. It's so interesting, isn't it, to think of how they saw Britain? Because I think it's just inevitable, isn't it, that growing up in post-Empire Britain, I still have sort of projected backwards in history to imagine that the world always knew what Britain was. But they didn't, because Britain wasn't important. The Empire wasn't the British Empire, it was the Roman Empire. And we were at the absolute edges of the known world and with absolutely no relevance to them, apart from a story you could go back to Rome and tell people about. Yeah, the the way that he describes the British after he eventually meets them and fights them and then goes home is that he pretty much says they're kind of people with moustaches and long hair. Yeah, so in the commentaries, he said that the number of people they have is countless and their buildings exceedingly numerous, for the most part very like those of the Gauls. And all the Britons, indeed, dye themselves in woad, which occasions a bluish colour and thereby have a more terrible appearance in fight. They wear their hair long and every part of their body have shaved except their head and upper lip. So basically, he sort of images them as like Jason Momoa from Aquaman, (laughs) kind of these Viking-looking people but they must have been pretty terrifying in battle not least of all because by the time Julius Caesar actually was able to make landfall they had actually galloped all of their horses and war chariots over to meet him and so it was a pretty devastating battle at least when they first started to get yeah, but listen ships. to the tone that he uses it's like he's a cultural anthropologist you know who'd been sent over on a venture to investigate whether or not they shave their armpits that wasn't the purpose of why he yeah. went there he went there to invade and make Britain Roman and he failed at that spectacularly and yet you know it reminds me of the episode we did about Ramesses the Great he had the chutzpah to go back to Rome and basically tell everyone how brilliant he was and no one really contradicted him you know tell everyone you've won and who can say that you didn't you know no one verified it everyone was just like well done Caesar that must have gone well (laughs) well (laughs) it didn't he was really good at uh, reshaping the message you know it wasn't I failed to conquer Britain it was like look I've been to Britain and the Senate was so impressed or you know intimidated by Caesar that they declared a 20 day Thanksgiving when they received his report that he had gone beyond the known world but what had actually happened was pretty underwhelming the large ships had to be anchored quite far from the shore so the soldiers were forced to wade through pretty deep water to get onto the beach and meanwhile the Britain cavalry and chariots attacked them Caesar ordered his warships to drive them off with slings and arrows but the turning point was this single act of heroism that Caesar describes in the commentaries he says While our men were hesitating, chiefly on account of the depth of the sea, he who carried the eagle of the 10th legion, after supplicating the gods that the matter might turn out favourably to the legion, exclaimed, Leap, fellow soldiers, unless you wish to betray your eagle to the enemy. I, for my part, will perform my duty to the Commonwealth and my general. 
Oh man, I could imagine being one of the other soldiers on that galleon going, oh, it's always that guy. <laughs> okay, we're all leaping. Yes, we're all trudging through straight into the javelins and the arrows. Here we go, guys. Great. <laughs> well, the following year, he did return with five legions and cavalry, 27,000 men in 800 vessels. And he generally made a much better fist of things. They docked their boats on a sandy beach for starters, and they did manage to get some way into the country, although um, arguably that was the Britons using guerrilla warfare tactics mm. against them, like get them off the bit that they know and onto the bit of the terrain they don't know, and then we'll attack them from the bushes, which is essentially what happened. And again, you know, he was able to go back to Rome and say, oh, I got even further, but he didn't conquer <laughs> Britain. Yeah. I think part of that was that the, the British were, I'm going to say British, obviously not very historical, but they were far more sophisticated than Caesar had anticipated. And part of the reason was you know, he mentions in the commentaries that their houses looked kind of like the houses in Gaul. Well, that was because they obviously shared a lot of DNA and culture with their cousins in France and, you know, Monde France and Belgium. And parts of Britain had already been colonised by the Gauls. There was this tribe called the Belgica, and as the name suggests, it's the area that's now Belgium and part of northern France as well. They had set up colonies on Britain they actually occupied pretty big swathes of the country so they were already very familiar with this there were Britain kings who were already minting their own coinage modelled on the ones being Mm. used in the Romanised parts of Gaul so I think a big part of it was that Caesar was like oh look at them you know they've dyed their skin with woad they've got big moustaches they these alien people but underneath that they were actually quite sophisticated and they even though the Romans didn't know much about Britain, it seems like the Britons, or at least the ones in the south coast and the southeast, knew quite a lot about Rome. Though with that said, their sophistication didn't extend to military affairs quite so astonishingly as perhaps in other areas. They did best against the Romans when they were fighting in this sort of guerrilla style. Anytime the Romans actually managed to uh, get into pitched battles, then that was really quite problematic for the Brits. I think I also fight best when all of my enemies are trapped on one beach. Yeah, <laughs> yeah true. Well, ultimately, of course, the Romans did make rather more progress. Emperor <laughs> Claudius came back looking for somewhere to invade in AD 43. And I guess it made sense that he thought of Britain because of Caesar's previous escapade. So I suppose this event, this sequence of events, had a role in determining in the future that the Romans might come back. But Caesar's career moved on, CF Shakespeare. <laughs> uh, within a decade, he would be dictator perpetuous. Uh, in Rome and, and never went back to Britain again. Meanwhile, did you see what happened to Commius, the Gaulish negotiator? He did a complete U-turn. He joined the Gaulish resistance in 52 BC, then had to flee Roman-occupied Gaul to Britain. <laughs> His captors. <laughs> the irony. Less Stockholm Syndrome, perhaps. <laughs> Next time... It wasn't helped by the fact that Khrushchev wrote a 3,000-word-long letter to Kennedy. (laughs) Love the show? Support the show. Patreon.com slash Retrospectors. Part of the ACAST Creator Network. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.